0: Hello, and welcome to Lasting Values. I'm your host, Brian Blackstone, and this is the monthly sustainability podcast that looks at how you can make actual impact with your investments, brought to you by Credit Suisse. This month's big question, how can you make the fashion and textile industry truly sustainable? We'll be looking at where sustainability efforts are focused in the garment industry ecosystem and what it takes to make an impact. The fashion industry is an important source of jobs and economic activity, especially in emerging market countries. But as important as it is, the sector is also notorious for being stuck in a pattern of take, make, waste, which causes devastating environmental impacts, not to mention economic losses. It's estimated that nearly 60% of all clothing produced ends up being burned or in landfills within one year of being made. Not only that, the apparel industry is widely associated in the public imagination with sweatshops or poor working conditions in some low-income countries. What can be done to make fashion more sustainable? Today's guest, Roger van Mazik, is working to do just that. As investment director at Fashion for Good, he's in charge of investing in innovative textile companies that are trying to build a fashion industry that's better for everyone. We sat down with him to find out what it takes to make a positive impact with your wardrobe. Rogier, thanks a lot for joining me. I'm delighted to have you. I wanted to start with kind of a bigger picture topic to to, to just kind of make this um, understandable to to the listeners out there, to the general public. I think when people tend to think of industries that have a significant environmental uh, footprint, they think of traditional carbon-emitting industries, oil and gas, uh, plastics, food. When it comes to uh, sustainability,
1: yeah, sure, and. Um to a degree, those are the industries to think about. And I, I won't say that fashion is um, uh, by any of the metrics we use um, worse than some of these um, uh, key outputters of, of CO2 emissions or water consumption or anything like that. But the fashion industry is an interesting industry um, for anyone uh, involved in sustainability or wanting to um, solve things environmentally or, or socially. It's um, one thing I should point out to begin with is that it's a uh, really large industry. Nearly everyone on the planet contributes to it. And it's a multi-trillion dollar industry for, for that reason. So partly because of that, partly because of its size, um, it also has a relatively problematic footprint and increasingly also a reputation for that in the media.
0: A problematic footprint. What does a footprint look like in the world of fashion? Catherine Tubb works for Planet Tracker, a not-for-profit financial think tank, which seeks to align investor capital with planetary limits. Catherine, could you walk me through the process here?
2: Tiers are used as a descriptor in the industry for the specific areas of the supply chain. And the numbering indicates how close they are to the brands and retailers. So, for example, Tier 1 are the garment manufacturers or the cutters and sewers, and they generally deal directly with the brands. Wet processing, the dyeing of fabric is tier two. And as such, it's kind of one step to remove from the brands. And then you can get down to tier three and tier four. So fiber production and tier four is the raw material production. So cotton producers.
0: Roger, what are the key environmental and social problems along this fashion journey?
1: Of course, there are uh, the social issues that have been in the uh, media for some time, but also environmentally and whether it's about CO2 uh, greenhouse gas emissions um, with current estimates ranging from 3 uh, to 5% approximately uh, for this industry, the, the apparel, footwear sector. Um, also, in terms of water consumption, uh, especially the upstream uh, wet processing parts are very water-consuming, uh, chemicals that are used and the lack of um, end-of-use options and um, the lack of recycling technology.
0: That's interesting that you mentioned the wet processing, end of use options, and lack of recycling tech. There are three areas I'd like to explore, taking them in turn. Catherine, your recent easy unpickings report says that wet processors have the largest environmental impact in the textiles, apparel, and clothing supply chain. For those not in the fashion industry, can you explain what a wet processor is and why they have such a big impact on the environment?
2: Wet processing is the dyeing and finishing of fabric, and it's a very water and energy intensive process. And a recent report from the Apparel Impact Institute and WRI actually sized the greenhouse gas emissions from wet processors as about 52 percent of the whole supply chain, which is double that of raw material extraction. And the other thing is wet processing is predominantly done in countries like China, India, Vietnam and other parts of Southeast Asia. And as such, is also heavily reliant on coal based energy sources. And also those countries often have a higher water risk.
0: On end of use, sustainable fashion designer Anna Lidstrom suggests that recycling mixed fiber garments isn't quite as easy as consumers
3: think. I think consumers think that when you give away things, you're sort of, you know, helping the system. While actually there's like, for instance, according to Ellen MacArthur Foundation, less than 1% of textile fibers are you know, recycle into new textile fibers. So that kind of loop is not existing, or if it's existing, it's super tricky because of mixed fibers and chemicals and, I mean, all sorts of problems.
0: Thanks, Anna. That leads me nicely onto recycling tech. Roger. perhaps you can explain this so-called circularity or recycling loop.
1: Circularity is that there's some sort of um, closed loop in an industry that is, and maintaining the material flow to be kept in that industry, so things are being um, reused in some way. So when things are recycled, um, even though it's not uh, the word I would use in that situation, it's more downcycling. When uh, garments are being uh, processed to to become, for example, low-quality carpets um, or insulation material, which is which is possible with many of these fabrics, but it's not something that we will call circularity because it leaves the industry to a, an industry that is, you know, uh, quote-unquote inferior to the other industry. And therefore, it makes its way down to a lower industry and eventually becomes still um, uh, yeah, traditional waste.
0: Let's talk about solutions for some of these challenges. How is fashion for good enabling investors to make impact?
1: There's a technology gap and fashion for good tries to accelerate innovation by um, enabling brands, manufacturers, and other important stakeholders in the industry to um, jointly collaborate on breakthrough technologies, disruptive technologies that could really, once scaled, could really transform our industry.
0: And it seems like one of the biggest challenges in, in in kind of disruptive technology ventures is taking an idea from a from an academic concept to something that's a scalable business. What do you see as some of the big challenges that your portfolio companies typically face on this front?
1: We're talking about innovation and innovation is always going to be a high failure rate. And um, I think specifically in, a, in an industry that's very focused on price like this, um, the price element does eventually um, uh, make many of these ventures fail because they can't reach the unit economics. Uh, that becomes very apparent when you're talking about commodities. Um, so, competing with cotton uh, or polyester, which is very cheap. And if you want to displace that, you need to be kind of um, in that realm. You don't want to be 10 times as expensive. I, I guess, in addition to the economics, there's performance that needs to be right, um, it remains fashion and therefore it's going to have a design component and people don't want to work with things that feel completely different or feel very plasticky like or look very shiny. Um, You know, they need to um, be of a certain quality and performance level. And finally, um, you given that there's an enormous um, investment has been in the supply chain and it's very fragmented the easier it fits into the supply chain, the less the implementation complexity, um, it will be uh, really helpful for an innovator.
0: In your view, what's what's the biggest contribution that impact-focused entrepreneurs in general bring to the table when it comes to solving large-scale problems?
1: I think the, the thing that really sets um, some of these innovators apart is that they have a, a great science-based technology.
0: And is there any innovation in terms of the the social aspect of of fashion. We've been talking a lot about the environmental impact.
1: We have one innovator that has automated voice calling because many of these um, people that are working in in these manufacturing hubs don't have um, smartphones. So they they have automated voice calling um, to those numbers and having just a questionnaire that is um, uh, 10 or 20 questions or so where they don't have to say anything but just can press numbers. Fairly easy as that, fairly easy innovation like that. It has, can have really have massive impacts.
0: Do you see any emerging trends in the in the funding ecosystem that that, that supports these types of entrepreneurs?
1: Well, there has been, um, as you probably know, a, a sort of clean tech boom um, uh, about a decade and a half ago, and that hasn't all resulted in in, in enormous wins. But we see now that um, even though it's a little bit more cautious, there's a a wave of that type of capital coming our way.
0: Catherine says that alongside new tech, the impact of the manufacturing changes shouldn't be overlooked.
2: Manufacturing is a lot less sexy than new companies doing new things, but we've discovered there are significant environmental and financial savings to be made. And a lot of those financial savings are operational. If you can just simply use less water, energy and chemicals and produce less waste, you just operationally are going to save money. And the Apparel Impact Institute and WRI put out their report about saying net zero in garment manufacturing savings. And they considered all types of kind of new technology based versus traditional manufacturing. And they kind of identified that 50% would need to come from current manufacturing improvements and 50% from the implementation of new technologies. But new technologies can take a while to scale up and do also cost money. So what we see is these kind of changes are short term solutions on how we see immediate fast returns and immediate environmental
0: wins. So Catherine, looking at the supply chain, why haven't these manufacturing changes been made already?
2: So a lot of the wet processes are small companies, and they don't really have an understanding necessarily of the financial and environmental savings that can be had by implementing some of these changes. And then the other aspect really is a lack of access to funding, especially, again, for those smaller wet processes or those with less cash flow. And then perhaps another aspect is there's just not a lot of regulatory pressure, especially in the Southeast Asia regions, which means they're not necessarily required to make those changes.
0: What can investors do to actually make a difference? Is it about shareholder activism or perhaps investing in those companies that are doing better at cleaning up the supply chains?
2: We do think all companies could benefit from some kind of shareholder activism or perhaps stewardship is a better way of putting it. We do think investors are able to ask the right questions of brands. How are they helping their supply chain transition? And we hear a lot about push-pull in the industry with brands demanding changes but not necessarily incentivizing their suppliers to make those changes with perhaps longer-term contracts, to guarantee cash flows, for example. Um, And there's a lot of other ways for investors to make changes. We see a lot of activity in the fixed-income sector, so sustainability-linked bonds, which pay out more if a key sustainability target is missed, are particularly being used to help invest and impact supply chains.
0: And where would investors or consumers go to get reliable data about the real-world impact of their choices?
2: The industry suffers a lot from something we call zombie data which is data that's either out of date or it's not necessarily completely wrong but it's not right but we constantly see being repeated in news articles and even reputable industry sources so we're starting to see some standardization in data but we do have an extremely long way to go and i would say in the textiles industry we're still at how do we even measure this data uh, you know so we need to see companies putting in water meters or measuring heat loss etc but I think also as we see different industries are often valued by investors using different metrics we're going to see different types of key environmental metrics being used ac- across a range of industries so in textiles just focusing on energy emissions can actually not be the right call as wet processes use energy water and chemicals all together so using less energy can actually result in perhaps more chemical or higher water use or vice versa. So it's going to be much more of a balancing act than perhaps people realise about how much of each of the inputs are being used.
0: So Roger, moving to consumers, then they could surely move to a buy less, buy fewer, or buy better approach. How much impact would that have? It's
1: hard to argue that consumer changes alone are going to affect all the change by itself. But having that pressure um, behind us and having some of these smaller brands that are very sustainable trying out also experimenting with new technologies could really pioneer what we're trying to do what part do regulators play regulation could have a massive impact i talked previously about unit economics and it being so challenging to displace cotton for example because they they have been optimized for so long and, and therefore we have reached very low price points but if there was some sort of regulatory wave intervening in that and it, that can be in various ways including Carbon taxes, it would provide a way more um, level playing field, I guess, for some of these innovators. We cannot just um, assume that this type of regulation will come soon enough that it will um, uh, be be, um, be helpful enough to reach, you know, net zero, for example, by 2050.
0: Catherine from Planet Tracker says that the transition to net zero is going to require a lot of capital across all parts of the textile supply chain and across all industries. For my conversations, it sounds like regulators, innovators, investors, and consumers can all play their part in making impact. But for you, Roger, what would the home run be in the sustainable fashion universe?
1: One innovator um, or innovation category that you could think about is if there would be a raw material, a next generation material that is capable economically and performance-wise of displacing polyester and/or cotton, that could that would really have a very big impact, and would be you know significantly better, as in maybe even net positive on carbon. The other uh, topic is then in the the dyeing and finishing. So any innovator that um, uh, maybe very concretely would maybe make equipment that has a radical radically different way of um, of dyeing fabric because currently much of the fabric or yarns is going into dye bath multiple times at high temperatures at low pH levels and then finally maybe i should mention on the on the recycling side um, anything that just has a, uh, a a bunch of mixed waste because much of the garments are mixed polyester, uh, cotton, and other materials including metals and and whatnot. If you can just throw that into some sort of um, uh, chemical process and outcome uh, 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 these different streams of, of of raw materials that can be used again or molecules. That is also, in, in terms of recycling and making the whole system circular instantly, that could be uh, a home run.
0: What an insight. Thank you, Rogier. I think that rounds up nicely our discussion on impact in the world of fashion. So I think we've heard firsthand from a variety of voices that fashion can be made more sustainable, but that it's not as clear cut as it seems. Where you focus in the supply chain is important. It's also clear that consumers can make a difference, but so can investors and activist shareholders. I think it'll be fascinating to watch how sustainable textiles develop, and it's certainly food for thought next time you're on a shopping trip. Next episode, we'll pick up on the idea of investor activism and what it can do for impact. So hit that follow button on Apple or Spotify and check in with us every month on Lasting Values, the sustainability podcast by Credit Suisse.
3: Should a bank clean up the ocean? We engage with companies creating ocean impact and preventing plastic pollution practices. We're on it. The information provided herein constitutes general marketing material. It is not investment advice, nor otherwise based on a consideration of the personal circumstances of the addressee, nor is it a result of objective or independent research. The information provided herein is not legally binding, and it does not constitute an offer or invitation to enter into any type of financial transaction. The information provided herein was produced by a member of Credit Suisse Group AG and or its affiliates, hereafter CS, with the greatest of care and to the best of its knowledge and belief. The information and views expressed herein are those of CS at the time of writing and are subject to change at any time without notice. They are derived from sources believed to be truthful and reliable. CS provides no guarantee with regard to the completeness and accuracy of the information and, where legally possible, does not accept liability for any direct, indirect, incidental, specific or consequential losses that might arise from making use of the information. If nothing is indicated to the contrary, all figures are unaudited. The information provided herein is solely for information purposes and the exclusive use of the recipient, and is not intended and should not be construed as legal, accounting, tax nor financial advice, provided by CS. If this material is issued and distributed in the US, it is by CSSU, a member of NYSE, FINRA, SIPC and the NFA, and CSSU accepts responsibility for its contents. Clients should contact their sales representative and execute transactions through a Credit Suisse subsidiary or affiliate in their home jurisdiction, unless governing law permits otherwise. This material is intended for institutional investors only, not for retail distribution. It may not be reproduced, neither in part nor in full, without the prior written permission of CS. Important information for investors in Germany. The information and views expressed herein are those of CS at the time of writing and are subject to change at any time without notice. They are derived from sources believed to be reliable. CS provides no guarantee with regard to the content and completeness of the information. If nothing is indicated to the contrary, all figures are unaudited. The information provided herein is for the exclusive use of the recipient. Copyright 2021 Credit Suisse Group AG and or its affiliates. All rights reserved.